0: Hello, and welcome to episode 82 of the Reconomy podcast, where we discuss economic issues that impact real estate, housing, and affordability. I'm Odetta Kushi, Deputy Chief Economist at First American, and here with me is Mark Fleming, Chief Economist at First American. Hey, Mark. In today's episode, we're going to discuss an aspect of the economy that economists have generally not done a great job at predicting.
1: Hi, Odetta. Oh, I know exactly what we're talking about. Recessions.
0: How did you guess?
1: Well, haven't you heard the joke, economists have predicted nine of the last five recessions?
0: Yeah, okay. Now that you mention it, I may have heard that joke once or twice in my career. Well, you know, business cycles exist, so we're pretty confident that a recession will occur at some point, but we're not always sure when it will happen or how severe it will be. For example, prior to the pandemic recession, we were in the longest economic expansion on record at 128 months. And there was a lot of chatter at the time about recession, even though the economy was humming along.
1: So true. And I don't think any economist predicted what would end that long
0: expansion.
1: A global pandemic.
0: Yeah, well, I know I sure didn't see it coming. But that really begs the question, how do we know when we're in a recession? And what does this all mean for the housing sector?
1: So let's see if we can make an interesting episode out of a gloomy topic.
0: Financial gloom into podcast boom. Let's do it. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) A poet and I didn't even know it. Exactly. Well, let's start with a not so simple question. Can you please define recession?
1: Ah, this time I have an easy out for the econ-splaining, because we have a whole podcast episode dedicated to this. Please refer back to episode 44 for a deeper dive into what we define as a recession. But the short version is that a committee known as the NBERBCDC, or Business Cycle Dating Committee, determines recession start and end dates.
0: Ah yes, the BCDC, our very own economic maestros, determining whether our economy is highway to hell or more like stairway to fiscal heaven.
1: (laughs) Beating me to the 80s music references today, I'm impressed, I need more coffee.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Now this BCDC looks at a wide range of different indicators to determine whether an economy is or was in a recession. They look at measures ranging from real personal income less transfers—that's your social security payments and welfare payments—non-farm payroll employment, employment as measured by the household survey—we'll explain the difference in a minute—real personal consumption expenditures—how much we spend, wholesale and retail sales adjusted for price changes, and industrial production. Their definition emphasizes that a recession, quote, involves a significant decline in economic activity that is spread across the economy and lasts more than a few months. And they highlight that they look at three criteria—depth, diffusion, and duration.
0: Well, that makes a lot of sense, because going back to the pandemic recession, it was very short. So perhaps it wouldn't qualify as a recession from a duration standpoint, but it was very deep and widely diffused. So that certainly does qualify it as a recession. But the takeaway here is that defining a recession is not as simple as consecutive declines in the GDP, which is maybe what you've heard before, though certainly that's one important measure to look at. But since you just listed six specific indicators that the BCDC looks at, how is our recession risk looking according to those measures?
1: Luckily, our favorite website, the St. Louis Federal Reserve Economic Data.
0: Which we affectionately refer to as FRED.
1: (laughs) As they also affectionately refer to themselves as as FRED. Fred. (laughs) Exactly.
0: You can't see me right now, by the way, but I'm wearing my FRED t-shirt. I'm a big fan.
1: Yes, and if you love economic data like clearly Odetta does, then Fred is it, and it's free. So there is such a thing as a free Fred lunch.
0: (laughs) Bad econ joke number two if you're keeping count.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'll see if I can get that hat trick in this episode. But we digress. FRED has a very convenient dashboard where you can monitor the BCDC's favorite measures for tracking recession. Just look up data considered for NBER turning points on FRED, and you can follow along with us.
0: We've also linked to it in the script of this podcast.
1: Better idea. Yes. That's right. So let's start from the top of the dashboard, that is. The monthly change in total non-farm employment has been positive since the start of yeah, this 2021 through our latest available December 2023 data. So solid two years.
0: That's the payroll survey. Now what about the employment level as measured by the household survey?
1: Wait, wait. We have two different ways to measure employment growth. Uh, we need to explain the difference. Or I yes, should say, sure do. you need to explain the difference. I guess
0: it's, yeah, I guess it's my turn. You got the recession and now I get this one. Although yes. this maybe is a little bit longer of an explanation. Yes. <laughs> So the payroll survey estimates the nation's employment based on responses from a a sample of business establishments, while the household survey estimates the nation's employment based on responses from interviews with households. So it's businesses versus households. And there's other differences as well, like the employment estimates from the payroll survey are a count of jobs, while the household survey provides an estimate of the number of people employed. So if a person changes jobs and is on the payroll of two employers during the same uh, reference period, both jobs would be counted in the payroll survey estimates. And then according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, workers who are paid off the books are not reported in the payroll survey, whereas the household survey could possibly include some of these workers. So you get the point. There's a bit of a divergence between the two in terms of methodology. Uh, You know, they, they oftentimes they align, but sometimes they don't.
1: One captures the gig economy and the other maybe not. That's right. And indeed, in December, the employment level decreased, according to the household survey. The three-month average was also negative in December. But prior to December, it has been positive. So one month.
0: That's right. Now, moving along to the Industrial Production Index, which in December was up from a year ago, Uh, similarly with the real manufacturing and trade industry sales number and real personal income, excluding transfer seats, and real PCE. So all positive. And real GDP. That's right. So most of the BCDC's preferred metrics are pointing higher. So no recession right now. Does that seem to align with consensus?
1: Ah, consensus. I'm so glad you asked Odetta. The Wall Street Journal has an economic forecasting survey that's been around for nearly 40 years. The economists in the survey are a panel that includes more than 70 academic, business and financial economists.
0: Important disclosure, neither of us are on the panel, but Wall Street Journal, if you're listening, I would still, love to be. <laughs> I'm still
1: waiting for that invitation. <laughs> yes. One of the questions that they ask about in the survey is recession risk over the next 12 months. They report on this data quarterly. And luckily for us, the January 2024 report was just released.
0: OK, I'm on the edge of my seat here.
1: Yes, but the exact question posed to the panel is, what is the probability in percentage terms, lest we have a different way of saying it? Uh, That at any time in the coming 12 months, very specifically, including today, the U.S. economy will be in recession.
0: And the average probability was? But wait, first, some context. Okay.
1: Prior to the pandemic recession of February 2020, the probability was 26%. Pretty low. Pretty low, yeah. It skyrocketed to 96% in April 2020, but I have to say that's a little obvious if you recall what was happening in April of 2020.
0: Yeah, like who is the 4% holdout there? (laughs) Right,
1: exactly. Um, Yeah. It came back down to 24% by the end of 2020 as the economy rushed back and reopened. Peaked once again, this is the recession probability, peaked once again at 63% at the end of 2022. And in October of last year was still 48%. And in the latest report, it was.
0: Well, you just tell us.
1: I this. feel like I got to do the drum roll. Yes.
0: 39%. All right. That's not too bad. Higher than it was you know, pre-pandemic, but lower than it's been recently. So economists and experts are signaling that recession risk has come down as the US economy continues to demonstrate resiliency. And that's really thanks to the US consumer.
1: I guess so. I mean, I uh, I assume we interpret this survey as when it's above 50, more than half, meaning they think it will happen, means the odds are higher. So it's below 50, and that's good. So most economists don't believe it will happen. And um, that's even despite the Federal Reserve's moni- monetary tightening. So I guess the odds are against a 10th of six recessions. Hat trick, get it? 10th of six oh, recessions? Oh,
0: I get it. That's the third econ joke, if you're keeping keeping count. <laughs> Predicting 9 of 5, or I guess 10 of 6. Well, we've talked a lot about the possible path to a soft landing. Uh, A soft landing is a scenario where the Federal Reserve manages to get inflation back down to target without throwing the economy into a recession. And the path to a soft landing that we've discussed is through fewer job openings rather than more layoffs, which is exactly what's been happening. The labor market is cooling, but it's cooling through fewer job openings while layoffs remain low.
1: That, of course, doesn't mean we will avoid recession forever. We've not licked the business cycle. But the path to a soft landing for this year is more likely than a recession, according to the FRED dashboards and the so called experts. Now, we've talked a lot about economic recession on this episode, but what is the HCDC saying about a housing recession? Are we back in black? I'm on fire. I'm on
0: fire. <laughs> Another 80s reference. Well, you've got the full HCDC committee on this podcast. The Housing Cycle Dating Committee is, well, it's self-created, so it's us. We like small (laughs) committees.
1: It's easier to get consensus.
0: (laughs) It is very easy. Well, sometimes, sometimes. True, true. Now, our housing recession equivalence of the NBER methodology is based on the following indicators average hourly earnings of non-supervisory construction workers, the total number of employees in residential building construction, the total number of employees in real estate rental and leasing, the number of single-family housing starts, private residential fixed investment, personal consumption expenditures on housing and utilities, existing home sales, and our real house price index, which is a measure of affordability. So if the moving average of the monthly growth rate of four of these eight indicators is negative for at least three consecutive months, then a housing recession has begun.
1: And according to our housing recession indicator, the average length of a housing recession is 13 months. But there are a couple of notably longer exceptions that are pulling up that average. The 1988 to 1991 housing recession, which was 34 months long, more than two years, almost three. And the global financial crisis housing recession that I'm sure many who are listening recall, that was 38 months long.
0: And the global financial crisis was also a double-dip recession with a 34-month-long recession from 2006 to 2009 as sales and construction slowed dramatically. There was a brief pause of about five months and then a dip back into another recession for another 10 months in late 2009 and through most of 2010, caused primarily by another slowdown in construction and slower existing home sales.
1: By comparison, the most recent housing recession from May to November of 2022 is notably shorter at seven months long. And in the latest data, only two housing recession indicators are flashing red. That is affordability and existing home sales. So no recession according to our methodology, largely because of the factors we look at on the new home sales or the home building side of the housing market.
0: That's exactly right. And we expect existing home sales to pick up in the coming months as mortgage rates moderate. And we know that the new home market has picked up as well. So it does seem right now that the worst is behind us and that the housing market has already had its recession and is now heading into recovery mode.
1: It sure seems that way. Now, before you go and add some qualifier on the one hand or the other about how it's always possible that things could change and get worse, Can we end the episode on that positive note?
0: Okay, for once, I will not be a dismal economist, but I'm not (laughs) happy about it, okay? Okay, well, that's it for today. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Reconomy Podcast. If you have an economics-related question you'd like us to feature in the future, you can email us at firstam.com. And as always, if you can't wait for the next episode, you can follow us on X. It's at Odetta Kushi for me and at M. Fleming, Econ for Mark. Until next time.
1: Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Reconomy podcast from First American. We're pleased to offer you even more economic content at firstam.com forward slash economics. This episode is copyright 2024 by First American Financial Corporation. All rights reserved.